Well, I'm glad you're here today. Ephesians 5 is where we're at. We're in the middle of a series that we have been calling Life Hacks. And we talked last week extensively about what a life hack is. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with that today. If you're curious, you can go home and Google that. And if you don't know what Google is, I can't help you and it's not going to matter anyways, all right? Uh, But let me just tell you what the, the broader name of the series is. Life Hacks, Biblical Solutions for Life's Biggest Problems. What we are doing is essentially looking at the big problems that we have in life and looking at them through the lens of God's Word. What does God's Word say about these issues and how can we walk through these issues in a way that makes us more godly and makes us more like Him and also gives us the opportunity to impact others for the sake of the gospel. So that's what we've been doing. And last week, we kind of just set a foundation for the entire series. We were in Psalm 1 talking about the fact that God wants us to be rooted, to let our roots sink down deep into the things of God. But not only do our roots grow down deep, but they are to grow wide in community so that we can stand together as the people of God and have an impact for Him. So I want to just say that last week was really foundational for everything that we're going to do over the next handful of weeks. Because as we look at the Bible, we're talking about issues that, to be honest with you, are going to get a little personal. Today we're talking about how we manage our time. Next week we're going to talk together about how we manage our money. And then we're going to talk about managing our health. Those can be awkward conversations. And to be completely honest with you, sometimes if you're like me, it would be easy if Jesus would just stay out of all of that, right? Do you ever feel that way? It's like, okay, Jesus, I know you want this part of my life. And amen, week one, we're talking about reading the Bible and praying. Yeah, praise God. All that stuff's great. But now you're telling me that Jesus wants to get into all of my business. The answer is yes. He wants all of your life, all of who you are. And God wants you to be molded and shaped into the man or woman that he wants to use for his glory. So with all of this said, we are excited about what God is going to do today. And today we are talking about managing our time. The message is called controlling the clock. And some of you are like me and you're a sports fan. So you know a little bit about sports and you're familiar with the idea of having to manage the clock and control the clock in a game. I really wish that there was some kind of sporting event today of significance that I could use as an illustration, but there's really nothing because football season ended last Saturday night. Uh, Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't even know. Are you trying to wave at me, Ethan? I don't even know what you're doing there. It just looks awkward. All right. So anyways, uh, controlling the clock, basketball or football, obviously, they, they start with the premise of there's a certain amount of time and then the clock is ticking slowly to zero to indicate that the game is over. I think soccer has a clock too, but then they just keep going. Like, what does that even mean? Is that, I don't even understand soccer, but don't get me started. So anyways, the clock is counting down to zero and at the end of it, it is over. And coaches can make key decisions. Managing the clock is no simple task, right? There are decisions that are made all along the way that matter about managing the time. And coaches will live and die based on decisions that they've made in terms of managing the clock. This is no easy task. But can I tell you, whether you're in sports and we all know that life isn't a game, but even in life, managing the clock can be a very difficult thing for us. As people in this world, because we live in a culture that is non-stop. I believe that every single one of us struggle, in a sense, to control the clock. Time is a precious currency in our world. Have you noticed how busy everybody is? 
Am I the only one who've noticed this? It's really weird to me that you ask people across all spectrums of ages. You can talk to like a 10-year-old and be like, what's going on, man? How are you? And they will say, I'm busy. That's crazy to me. And they're busy because they've got so many sports going on, so many different things, so much happening. And guess what? You talk to retired senior adults, they're busy too because they're trying to keep up with the 10-year-old, all the things the 10-year-old has going on, right? There's so much happening. In fact, I think you've probably experienced this like me. The most dominant response that I get when I ask people, how are you? The number one response back to me is generally busy. Have you noticed this in your life? We are in a world of busyness. People are constantly doing something. Some of you are like me, and even when you're not busy, it kind of bothers you, and you try to find something to make yourself busy. Anybody else do this? Like, I know during the holidays, we kind of had a little bit of flexibility in our schedule, and Pastor Bob and I even had this conversation one day. We're like, we got to get back to work. It's killing us to not have it because even when we have flexibility and some freedom, we just fill that up with other things to do. But what if I told you that there is a better way today to think about our time? What if time is not just a cruel taskmaster, an overpaced burden that just makes life stressful? This morning, I'm hoping that the word of God, that we can see through the word of God, that time is actually a blessing that can be harnessed to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. And we can see God do incredible things in our lives when we think about time this way. So with all of that said, let's get to the word. Just a handful of verses here. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. The word of God says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us today. God, an opportunity to come and just wrap ourselves around the word of God. I ask that you would help us today. Lord, it is our desire that every single part of our lives be shaped by you. God, I know that that my heart, and I pray that it would be the same for my friends here, God, that there would be no area of our lives that is off limits. Lord, that you would have your way in every single part of our lives. So as we talk about our time today, God, I pray you would give us open hearts and minds that are willing to hear from your word and hear your truth. And God, as we think of the whole counsel of scripture and what you say about managing our time, I pray, God, that we would respond by surrendering this area of our lives to you and watch what you can do with a life surrendered to you. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we found ourselves right here in the middle of a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And as Paul usually does in his letters, he starts off with this description and explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who Jesus is and why that matters for us, that we are saved by grace through faith and just a beautiful description of the gospel. But as he generally does in all of Paul's letters, he's going to kind of transition into talking about the fact that this gospel doesn't just save you and then you go on about your life, but the gospel of Jesus Christ saves us and then begins to transform every part of who we are. 
And talking about Jesus wanting to get personal, uh, in the next chapter past Ephesians 5, it gets even worse. In chapter 5, this is very plain. He says, get rid of the sin in your life, put off these things and put on these things. And then it's going to get to chapter 6. It's going to talk about marriage and raising your kids and all that kind of stuff. The gospel wants to get all up in the middle of your life and completely transform you from the inside out. So we see this happening in the book of Ephesians, this letter of Ephesians. And here in the middle of this section, in chapter 5, we come across what to me is a simple yet very profound statement. Paul says this, look carefully then how you walk. That has always been kind of a strange phrase for me. Because I realize that most of the time I don't think about how I walk. Now, of course, the last couple of days, there's been some ice around. So maybe you are thinking about how you walk right now. But in general, we don't really think about how we walk. We just do it. When was the last time that you were like, what do I do? Okay, okay. Right foot. Left. You know, we don't do that, do we? Now, some of you maybe have recovered from illnesses and sicknesses that have caused you to have to do that. I know that we have, you know, raising kids. So there's always that first step that almost happens by accident. And then you kind of see them like, what just happened? Right. And they're thinking about how can I do that again? And they start putting it together. But we get to a point where we're not really thinking about how we walk. It's just something that we simply do. But what Paul is going to say is that in the walk of our lives, as we go through this life, It's very possible for us to just kind of do it without stopping to think about what it is that we're doing. But the reality is God calls us to stop and consider the way we walk through this life. Paul is saying that the gospel and our relationship with Jesus should make us stop and evaluate every aspect of our lives. He goes on to say, don't walk as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. So as he says, walk, evaluate, think about, consider the way you walk and walk as the wise person. The first thing he says after this discussion is think about time. If we're not careful, we can literally waste our time and therefore waste our lives. But Paul is taking a section of this letter and to tell us that the gospel compels us to think carefully about our time. Going as far as to say that it's foolish to not consider your time. So are you wise today or are you foolish? One way that Paul would answer that is with another question. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? So that's what we're doing today, addressing this question. How do we control the clock in our lives? How do we stop the busyness that runs our lives? Let me first remind you today that this is a pulpit. I call this a pulpit. It's like a podium thing, but this is a pulpit. This is a church, and I am a pastor. Uh, That's all I have for you today. Thanks for coming. No, I'm kidding. But uh, let me now tell you what this is not. This is not the self-help aisle of your local bookstore. Uh, This isn't going to be seven habits of highly effective people. This isn't going to be productivity tips with Pastor Rusty. Though there's some good alliteration happening there. Productivity pastor, but uh, actually most pastors I know are productivity. We've got to work on it, right? But you may know this about me. Mallory certainly does. I'm kind of a nerd. I enjoy reading about neuroscience and productivity and habit forming. Those are things that I actually enjoy. So we can have that conversation, but that's not what we're doing here as the people of God. Today, our goal is to look at the scripture and to think about time in a broad sense so that we as God's people 
can, can evaluate our lives and say, Lord, how would you have me use my time in a way that is wise? So this is certainly not going to be exhaustive. I'm not going to cover everything, the ins and outs of all of that. We're not going to be, you're not going to walk out of here with a notebook full of great plans. But instead, my prayer is that we will walk out of here thinking about the way we walk. Simply thinking about what it is that God wants us to use our time for. So with all of that said, let's talk about how we can think about time as God's people. First, we need to start just simply by rethinking time. We need to rethink time. If we're going to have a biblical view of time, it starts with resetting the way we've always thought about this issue. For the next few weeks, you're going to hear a churchy word from me, okay? You ready for a churchy word? Stewardship. Stewardship. Now, uh, some of you who have a church background, it's like, oh man, here it comes. Don't worry, we'll get to that down the road. But today we're talking about stewardship in the sense of our time. Stewardship is simply this. It's the idea that everything we have in this life is a gift from God. In all reality, you and I own nothing. But instead, we are simply stewards, or another word, caretakers of the things that God has given us. So if God has blessed us with it, we're responsible for how it is that we use it. James chapter 1 says, do not be deceived. Every good thing comes from above, from the Father of lights. Everything you have that is good in your life is a gift from God. And if God has blessed you with it, you are responsible for how you use it. Think about Matthew 25. It's a parable we call the parable of the talents. Talent in this case isn't talking about things you're good at and gifts like that. A talent was a sum of money. And the parable goes something like this. A master came and gave various amounts of money to his servants to take care of while he was gone. And when the master returned, each of those servants was held accountable for how they used the funds, how they put the money to work while he was gone, how they invested it. And in the same way, the application of that parable is that God has given each of us many things, every good and perfect thing in your life. Everything you have is a gift from God. And one day you and I will be held accountable for how we use those things he's given us. Have we used everything God has given us for his honor and for his glory? That's what the idea of stewardship is. So keep that idea in your back pocket. We're going to be talking about stewardship really throughout this entire series. But when we think about the issue of time, you need to know time is a stewardship issue. Time is a stewardship issue. The concept of stewardship is important because we need to rethink about the way we use time in light of the fact that time is really a blessing and a gift. To rethink time, we have to first understand that time is a blessing and a gift. If you've ever studied the book of Genesis, you will see that God literally created time. It says he created the sun and the moon, and it wasn't just because he was like, look, lights, you know. But he created those, why? For the reason of marking seasons and days in our lives. God literally created time for us. And if God created us, it is for our good and for his glory. We can know that. So God created time and it's for our good. And it's important that we think about time in this positive sense. I don't know about you, but for me, I think I tend to look at time in a negative way most of the time. Time seems to be a burden that almost takes the life out of me. We don't have much time left. I feel like I'm always working against the clock. 
Or when I want it to go fast, it goes slow. Have you noticed that? Why is, why is time like that? But it seems like when we want time to hurry up and get there, it never gets there. But when we're anxious for it to last a while, it seems like it's running out so quick and it almost becomes a burden to us. But we need to understand that time is a tool and a resource that God has given us, not a burden to be dealt with. God has given us today. God has given us this very moment. He's given us time. And we need to rethink the way we view it. In the context of being a steward or caretaker of God's blessings, the second thing we need to understand is that our time belongs to God. Our time belongs to God. In the end, every second of our lives belongs to Him. And the crazy thought to me is that we will stand before God one day and we will be accountable for how we have used this precious gift. Did we bury it in the sand? Did we use it for His glory? Did we squander it for ourselves? When we realize that time is a precious gift and that it belongs to God, then we can actually start to walk as the wise person that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5. In fact, Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. See, wisdom begins with considering our lives and considering the way we use the time God's given us. So we need to rethink time, but we also need to reprioritize our time. Reprioritize time. These all start with R again, and I'm real excited about that. Uh, The first service wasn't, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyways, all right? Start getting like extra preacher points when this happens. We need to reprioritize our time. If time is a gift from God, if our time belongs to Him, then we should think about how we prioritize and organize the gift we've been given. Uh, To be honest, this is something we're not really good at. I think for most of us, time just kind of happens. But the reality is time is a precious commodity. It's something that we should stop and consider in our lives. Because if we don't, we literally run the risk of completely wasting our time. And again, therefore, wasting our lives. Now, when we think about time this way and when we talk about time this way, what generally happens is we begin to kind of panic. Our response to thinking of time this way leads to us saying, all right, well, he's right. Time's running out. Time's ticking away. I've just got to do everything right now. Everything in the world, I've got to accomplish it right now because time's running out. The trope that we see in media, you're welcome. That didn't start with an R, so that's why it tripped me up. Particularly, there you go. That word wasn't in my notes, so I couldn't even look down and, and get saved. It was like, uh, just got to fish it out of the air. Particularly in movies and sitcoms, what always happens when the, the man or woman has the midlife crisis? And they realize, usually it, it's following the death of a loved one, right? And they realize that time is short, so what do they do? It's like knocking out all their bucket lists, they're bungee jumping and doing all kinds of crazy things. And then they have to kind of come back to reality at the end of the episode when the sweet music is playing, right? So that's usually what we think about when we say time is valuable and we need to think about how we use it. We need to reprioritize it because time is short and precious. But what I would say is that a more biblical way to think about it is very counterintuitive, but it's actually to slow down. To slow down. I know I'm not going to make a lot of friends with this, but here's the truth. Church, we're doing way, way, way too much in our lives most of the time. Between our extracurricular activities, sports, 
traveling constantly, and then we're having to work enough to cover all of the extra things we're doing. All of this stuff, we have such busy lives, and we wonder why we find ourselves exhausted and burnt out. Don't hear what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that if you're busy, you're living in sin. We certainly have seasons of busyness in our lives. But you need to understand that if we're not cautious, seasons of busyness turn into lifetimes of busyness. One way to gauge if you're too busy is by asking yourself this question. Am I trying to do more than God? Am I trying to do more than God? Of course, I'm referring to the story of creation. God created the world and everything in it for six days, but then on day seven, he established what we call the Sabbath. You need to understand something. Almighty God, the creator of all things, uh, with all omnipotent, means he's all powerful. God didn't get six days done and go, Pooh, I'm really beat. Like, I need a day off around here. This is getting crazy. No, God didn't do that for his benefit. You know, he created the Sabbath for us to institute and show us that we need to build into our lives a rhythm of rest. Sabbath rest. Now, listen, in 2019, we Americans love the idea of Sabbath rest, emphasis on the rest part. But before we talk about Sabbath rest, we need to understand that the Sabbath is first and foremost a day of worship and reflection. It's a day where we unplug from the ordinary to plug into what God has for us. And as we do that together, we find our rest in Him. Unfortunately, I think we've taken the idea of rest and run away to the point where we've taken what God instituted as a holy day and we have turned it into a holiday. But the idea of the Sabbath is a day of worship and reflection, that we stop and reflect and worship God. And again, when we do that, we find genuine, real soul rest in Him. But yes, in the same way, physical rest is a part of this. We need to stop sometimes. We need to create real margin in our lives for worship and rest. Can I tell you something? This is counterintuitive in our world. We live in a world that says more, 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 more. You are what your value is found in your productivity and what you've accomplished. But can I tell you what Sabbath rest does when we take a day off and try to plug into what God has for us? It reminds us that God doesn't need us to keep the world going around. When I have a day off and a day of rest, sometimes I think, well, what in the world is going to happen? I haven't taken a Sunday off yet, but when I do, can I tell you where my brain space is? How are they going to survive without me? (laughs) And it's always humbling because this has happened at every church I've been at. Everything was fine, right? Like I get back, I'm like, well, uh, what do we got to deal with? No, it was good. Oh, all right. Pastor Bob, you've been there, right? Lathaniel's going to come back and it's going to be like, man, worship was great. It's going to be like, oh, Tell me more, you know. (laughs) But can I tell you, the Sabbath is really kind of that same reminder on a weekly basis that should be built in to remind us that God doesn't need us to keep the world spinning. But instead, he calls us to plug into him and to reflect and worship him. And when we do that, we find rest. So some of us need to slow down a little bit in our lives, pump the brakes a little bit. If you are busy all the time, I want to encourage you to try to intentionally create some margin in your life for worship and rest. You need this. 
So how do we actually practically reprioritize our time? I'm just having trouble talking today, y'all. We're going to be all right, though. We're getting through this. I would recommend a really simple starting place. Some of you may be familiar with Coach Tom Landry, the legendary coach of the not-so-legendary Cowboys in some of your eyes. But Coach Landry was a legend, and he was a godly man. And there was a phrase he used that a lot of people still know today. And I remember my grandpa, he almost like a tear in his eye when he talked about old coach and this saying. He would say, he always said, number one in your life should be God. Number two in your life is family. And number three, football. Ah, right? It's like hashtag America. Like that is just a, that's why people love Coach Landry, right? But the idea is like, you know, your God is number one, family is number two, and then your work is number three, and getting those priorities right. And I understand the sentiment of that, but can I just tell you something? I've never really agreed with that statement because of this. God does not want to be number one on your list of priorities. God wants to be the entire list. God wants to be number one in your family. God wants to be number one in your work. God wants to be number one in your hobbies. He wants to be the entire list. But as we think about reprioritizing our time, I think it's a healthy thing for us to think about it in this way. First of all, God gets the priority. God gets first priority in our lives. Corporate worship, gathering together with the people of God for the sake of worshiping Jesus together, and also personal worship. Anything that gets in the way of those things ought to be evaluated in your life. Anything that gets in the way should be evaluated. There was a a deacon in a church I served at years ago who just an incredible testimony. He worked the same job for several decades and he didn't take any other jobs. Even when job offers were levied to him that would have paid more and perhaps had some better benefits. But he did not do that because each of those job requests along the years would have caused him to not be able to gather regularly with the people of God for worship. What a testimony that is. He had his priorities in place. If, listen to me. If your vocation doesn't allow you to regularly assemble with the people of God and be a part of the family of God, then I think you should be praying about what that looks like. I believe God will bless you as you pray and consider these things. And not only gathering together with the people of God, some of you have that part down. Some of you are very faithful and this is just such a thing. You've been doing it since you were a kid. This is just part of the rhythm of life that you do. But personal time with God also should be the first priority in your life. Spending time with the Lord. People will tell me all the time, I just don't have time. And we talked about this some last week. But the reality is, is you have time for the things that matter the most to you. You have time. We find a way. Pastor John Piper wrote this. One of the greatest uses of social media will be to prove on the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. That's rough, isn't it? Now, I know some of you in here, you're you're on your high horse right now. That's why I don't do all that social media stuff. Well, can I tell you, you could replace social media with just about anything else. Cable news. Gossip with your friends or with your buddies. Hobbies, interests. We fill our lives with so many things, but the call for us as the people of God, if we're going to be his people, is to connect to him and to worship him. Let God be the priority as we set our schedules. Not only does God need to be our first priority, but listen, this list, we need to make our families a priority in our lives. It is so easy to just let life happen. 
and to just go through life again, ignoring the Lord. But did you know that you can be living with your family and really not paying attention to your family? Again, social media helps in this. It's really easy to say, hey, kids, go play. Go do something. Just anything. Give me a few minutes and you go through life not spending time together. Can I just tell you this, though? By making God a priority in your life, that's actually the best thing you can do to bless your family. By making God a priority in your life. But when you do that, then it's going to turn over into you leading them well. Something that I've seen happen and that I've heard happen a lot that just I'll just tell you as your pastor that I just don't agree with. People will say, well, we just needed to skip church today because we really just needed a family day. Can I tell you something, though? The best thing you can do for your families, for your kids to see you saying the best way we spend time together as a family is to come together and worship Jesus. And this is a priority for us. But can I tell you, it's not just about bringing your family to church and spending time in family worship at home like we've talked about. But just spending time with your family. It can be difficult for us to do. Uh, Having game nights with your family. uh, Being intentional about taking your spouse out for dates. Having time to hang out. Sitting down at the table to eat a meal. Your family needs to see that you are intentional about making time for them. Now listen. This is not to make anybody feel guilty, okay? Some of you are like, man, we haven't sat at the table in a long time. This, this isn't me trying to say, when's the last time you had a family meal? and make you feel bad. But this is an invitation to just think about how you're using your time. Hey, let me just tell you, uh, before we had kids, I don't think we ever ate at the table. Like that table is just a, a junk collector in our home. Like it's just a surface to put stuff on. We always ate on the couch. It didn't matter what. I mean, it's, it's very complicated, but you still make it work because you're hanging out. But spending time together, whatever that looks like in your context, in your family, and even as an individual, how are you spending that time together? Make family a priority. But not only are God and family important, but this one a lot of times gets worked out or just left out, and it's work. Did you know that you are where you are at right now in your job for a reason? That God is using you, whether you are a shift worker in a plant or a stay-at-home mom, God has called you to do what you're doing with all of the passion and energy that you can bring to the table. Work is a biblical thing too. Serving where God has placed you. Some of you need to hear this today. You are not where you are at by accident. God has you exactly where he wants you to be right now. You may think, I hate my job. You may think I've been passed over and I deserve more credit and better position where I'm at. All these things. But can I tell you, God is not surprised by where you are at right now. And he wants to use you today through your vocation for his honor and for his glory. That brings us to our last truth today. We need to rethink and reprioritize our time. But we also, as the people of God, need to redeem the time. We need to redeem the time. This is biblical language, and this phrase is used by Paul here. It says, make best use of the time. Some translations there say, redeem the time. You're going to see that idea scattered throughout the New Testament. Basically, the time is short. The days are evil, it says here. The day is coming. The last day is near. All of this language, you're going to see this happening. I mean, God is reminding us through those references that our time is short. And if everything belongs to God, including our time, then we need to use every single second that he gives us for the sake of the gospel, to know him and make him known. 
We prioritize our lives to redeem the time. We want to completely orient our time and the rest of our lives around proclaiming his gospel to a world that desperately needs to hear it. I'll tell you something. I'm thankful for messages like this. And I just want to say this because I know some of you may just think, oh, I really got beat up today. That's not the heart of this. Can I tell you, this is really God's grace that has given us an opportunity today to redeem the time, to think about how it is that we are spending our lives. I want to encourage you to do this. This is as practical as it gets. I told you you weren't going to have like a notebook on how to make your life better through time management. That's not the goal today. The goal today, though, is to cause you to stop and think about your life. I want to encourage you, uh, probably today, the best time to do it would be like, what, 5 o'clock, so there's nothing else happening, okay? Uh, I I forgot, we were going to announce a special prayer meeting gathering here at 5 o'clock today. (laughs) Pastor Bob and I are going to be just, yeah, okay. But I want to encourage you, you can wait till after the football game. I mean, hey, redeem the time, but whatever, you do you, okay? Uh, Kidding, kidding. Let me just make my point so we can go home, sorry. (laughs) This is like 15 minutes of uh, Chiefs jokes here. But here's what I want you to honestly do as families, as as, uh, spouses, as individuals even. I want you to have some time today or tomorrow, this week, where you sit down and you just ask the Lord, by His grace, to search your heart and show you where you are wasting your life and your time. To, to help you see how you can better manage your time. What can you do in your life that is better for the kingdom of God? And I promise you, there will be some things that you will see. Because can I tell you, the entire world is rigged against us in this principle. The world is competing for your interest and for your time. Some of the common time wasters are media and entertainment. I'm not going to go all crazy pastor and rail against the danger of all those for 15 minutes. But I think you realize this. You've heard the phrase that we live in a world where we are entertaining ourselves to death. Entertainment's okay. It's okay to to be entertained and enjoy some of these blessings. Hey, football's a blessing from God. It's going to be a fun afternoon, and it should be. But we have to be careful because the world is trying to get all of our attention and all of our focus. Literally, television now, and even worse, these smartphones that we have, they are intentionally designed to hold your attention and waste your time. Now you think, oh, he's getting crazy and saying, you know, that smartphones are of the devil. Uh, I could probably say that, but let me actually say what I'm saying. That research will show that these things are developed, all these smart devices, and even now the television shows that we watch and that we get our children to shut up and watch for two or three hours, all of those are designed to stimulate our brains and grab our attention and take our time. Who hasn't had a moment where you realize, I have been scrolling through nothingness for an hour and a half? I have wasted my morning. I have wasted my evening. How can we redeem the time? I'm not telling you to get rid of the TV, to get rid of the internet. But can I tell you what I want you to do? I want you to say, Lord, this is all yours. What do you want me to do? How can I use every second of my life that you have blessed me with? How can I harness every second of my life for the sake of the gospel? If we do that, can I tell you, God stands ready to use us in a mighty, mighty way. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. 
God, thank you for a challenging message, Lord. Uh, as I've confessed to my friends, this doesn't really give us a lot of immediate action. But Lord, I pray that you would cause opportunities for reflection and prayer and consideration of these things. Lord, that you would show us how we can make the best use of the time. How we can redeem the time we've been given. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we need... as. This can be confrontational and make us feel awkward and strange. But God, I pray that we would see your grace in this. That it's your grace that gives us these opportunities to rethink and reprioritize and redeem the time we've been given. So Lord, help us to do that. May we use everything you've given us for the sake of knowing you and making you known. 